the Old Testament book of Ezra, a minor prophet uh, in God's Word. You can turn there and take a moment if you need to to find it in your copy of God's Word. And if you don't have a, your Bible here with you today, that's okay. These words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, uh, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And we have those for you. Set out on the back table as you leave today. You'll see them out there. There's no cost to you just to give from the heart of our church to you. And so take that if you need it. I'm proud of our church today. I want to say a word of thanks to you and to the Lord. Uh, we had 96 in Sunday school today. Uh, our record uh, was 148 recently. So you think, well, 96 is far beneath that. But on a holiday weekend, uh, a holiday, uh, today is New Year's Day. I am thankful to God that we had 96, and I'm proud of you uh, for being here in worship uh, today. It makes a difference to be in God's house together. I want you to know God sees this, and it's important. And so I um, appreciate that, and just praise the Lord for that. Also, another word of, of victory. Uh, we are in the midst of a missions offering for global missions. Uh, these uh, dollars that you're giving hit the mission field all over the world uh, through the International Mission Board and through our own mission support. Uh, missionaries everywhere receive these dollars and this encouragement. Uh, our goal was 11,000, and we are currently at 13,450. And so praise the Lord for that. Uh, I've got to confess, Stan, that, yeah, go ahead. I've got to confess that when we set that goal of 10,000, I, I, I thought it was at the very tip of our fingernails, and I was worried a little bit. Uh, but I should have more faith, I guess. But uh, our church has come through. God has come through. And so just praise the Lord for, for this and for the heart of Poplar Springs. It's not lost on me that with just 50 more dollars, uh, we would be at 13500 a nice even number. And so if you haven't had your chance to give yet, you could be the difference maker uh, in uh, letting us round this off to a nice even 13,500, uh, but in any case, we have much to be uh, grateful for. Thank you. I need to say to our church, you have given us over the Christmas season so many uh, just uh, precious notes of love and encouragement. Thank you for that. So many gifts. There's no way that I could um, get around to every one of you to say thank you, but I want you to know we have received that, and we are thankful, and we appreciate that. And notably, I uh, got a lot of weenies, uh, so um, barbecue weenies. I got them pre-made, warm, and in a pot, and I got them uncooked, but I cooked them, and I spread them around all over Tennessee when I was up there, and so uh, thank you for that. Um, that made a difference to me, as you can see. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> we, yeah, I'm wearing them. I was on the treadmill this morning, actually. Um, first, my New Year's, it's not a resolution, but... We were on, I was on the treadmill, and I wanted to start the first day of the new year off with a few minutes just to get the heart pumping. It was uh, nice, but it was a little awkward uh, because there's no place to hold my cheesecake at the same time, and <laughs> we need to invent that. Um, anyway, we're looking today at a, <clears throat> a strange little story. It may be unfamiliar to you from the Old Testament. God's people had been in captivity for a long time. God's people had been through several captivities. Um, and this, at this point, they're under the control of the Persians. A king named Cyrus had come on the scene. And even though the Jews had been taken from their homeland in Jerusalem 
have actually been destroyed. The great temple of Solomon that's described in uh, the book of the Kings in uh, all its just glory. If you read there the building materials and how craftsmen were brought in through the power and influence of Solomon from all over the known world, the best of the best and the finest materials were shipped through political negotiations and shrewdness and power. Solomon was able just to bring the finest in in the temple. It had been destroyed by the enemies of Israel. It had been torn down. In fact, Jerusalem had been just decimated and, and laid in ruin, and God's people had been captive over a series of empires. They had learned to be subjugated. In fact, their homes were there now. Children and children's children and great-grandchildren had grown up knowing nothing else other than this captivity, this oppression, this uh, distance and, and strangeness from their homeland. Cyrus came in and gives permission, uh, probably not through truly and, and wholly pure motives, probably through political expediency and, and, and a shrewd decision that he made, but he nonetheless gave permission for God's people to go back to their home city, Jerusalem, the capital city, and to rebuild there the temple of God. And it would look nothing like the temple of Solomon. These people were now had no sovereign, no king, as it were, to wield influence and to gather craftsmen and to bring in materials and to make it majestic and to overlay with gold, as had been done in the past. Uh, but nonetheless, they set out and they left their, what was really now their homeland, where they had grown up, where they had lived, where their roots were, their work was, their family was, and they went away to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God. And so that's where we're at today in the book of Ezra, chapter 3 and beginning in verse 10. They're just laying the foundation of the new temple. And we see three old lessons here as we read this passage. Old lessons for us. Old lessons for our new year. Let's read this together. <clears throat> and when the builders the foundation of the temple of Yahweh, the temple of the Lord. The priests in their vestments, that means they're, they're wearing their priestly stuff. I mean, it, it, this is a big day and a big deal. Came forward with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. These people are being faithful they're going back to the old law and the old records and they're doing it the best they can under the conditions. They've already built the altar of God. Uh, they're doing it according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Here's what they said. For he is good. His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. <clears throat> and all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and who had seen the first house wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted aloud for joy. These people wept. Some of them wept. 
And you might think, well, they're weeping for joy. They're overcome with gratitude and emotion. These old people, the Bible literally records them as ancient ones, that they're just overcome with gratitude. But this is not that type of weeping. This is a sorrow. We learn that based on the context of this text, but also the parallel passage in Haggai and the parallel passage in Zechariah. Both of them accuse or um, condemn this weeping here. This is a weeping of sorrow, of comparison. It's not like it once was. We remember the old temple. We remember when some of the, maybe they were there at the dedication of, of Solomon, but, but nonetheless, they remember the old temple, uh, how it was, and, and they're now that at what they see before them. It says here, they wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. What does this reaction mean to you and me? I mean, what does it mean for our new year, for our way ahead, as we look at this strange little story about a, a, these folks who had a weird little reaction to the temple of God being rebuilt. Let's look at it together. What are these three lessons for our new year? The first lesson is this. Remember, what's ahead does not have to look like what's behind. What's ahead doesn't have to look like what's behind. These folks had a memory of what once was. And that's a powerful thing, isn't it? It's a powerful thing to reminisce. Many of you like Andy Griffith, don't you? I love Andy Griffith too, <clears throat> but uh, you, we like to watch that and think of days gone by to have these memories of how things used to be. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good to reminisce, and it's good for those who have grown older to have the wisdom of the past, to remember what Mama said, and to, to look back and, and think of those times and those experiences with your grandparents, how things once were in your school to learn from these ways, but it can also be a trap for us. As the people of God, it can be a trap for us to look back and to always be thinking and lamenting the way things used to be. And these are not bad people here who are doing this. It's easy for us to think, well, all the good people are, they're shouting and worshiping, but we've got these ingrates here who are just, uh, just pouting and unhappy. But remember, these are people who are, trying to do the best they can. They, they've left all that they knew, and they've gone to a new homeland, right? I mean, these are the ones who did it. These are the ones who said, it's worth it for me to go, and I'm going to take my time and the days that are left to me and my treasure, my effort. I'm going to go and rebuild God's Jerusalem. I'm going to start with his temple. These are the people who were trying to follow the pattern that David had set forth, trying to be obedient. These are good-hearted people who are simply sorrowing over what's been lost from their past. Do you identify with that at all? I think we have to identify with that in some way. I know there's those of you here, and, and, those, and, and here's one of them on the stage, who, who looks back and thinks, God, I remember the past, you know. Why are things so different now? Why have I lived all these years without this man or this woman who was by my side for so long? Uh, why is the power and prestige of 
the church in America dwindling? Why are so many people rejecting you? We look at that. Why, Lord, are the memories of, uh, of my kids being at home, why are, are they becoming distant? And there's a hollowness in our household, and our family. Lord, things aren't what they used to be. There was a sweet lady who met me on the porch one day here. And came up to me, and really a, a good spirit. I don't think she meant anything by it. Just having a chat. She said, you know, when we move, we're, we're going to have to move away. When we move, we want to find a church just like this one. And as a pastor, that warmed my heart, right? And I swelled up like, oh, I praise the Lord for, for people who love the church like it. But she wasn't finished. She said, we want to find a church just like this one was 30 years ago. I said, get out, you know. I mean, <laughs> talk about an encouraging word. Thank you for that. But, uh, but I understood, too. You know, those are, those are powerful memories but listen God, for God's people we cannot be looking back in that way we do that personally spiritually too we remember the days of, of, of our spiritual youth we remember the days how they used to be and in doing so oftentimes we fail to see what God wants to do right now who had arranged for this who had arranged that they could go back to Jerusalem you might say Cyrus no way it was the sovereignty of God Almighty had arranged that they could go back to Jerusalem. <clears throat> By whose plans were they uh, undertaking this construction? By the plans of God, according to David uh, the king, uh, to whom had they submitted in this? For whose glory was it? It was for the glory of God. And if it doesn't look like you expected, if it's not the same as what it once was, that's not up to you. Who's it up to? It's up to God. And if God is in it, if his presence is here, then his glory is here. That's okay. It is okay for us to resist the temptation to want to go back. As sweet as that is, I don't want to take that away from you. As sweet as that is, it's okay to resist that, that pull and to determine if God's moving ahead, no matter what it looks like, then I'm moving ahead. Well, my health is not what it used to be. I, I can't believe the limitations that are on my life now. Is the Lord there? Here's what the Bible says in a parallel verse in, in Haggai. It says, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as something, as, is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, Son of Jehozadak, the high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. There may, nothing else may remain in your midst of what you long for and remember. But God says, you work and be strong because my presence is here. That's true for us today. The new thing God is doing might not be the thing you're expecting. It might not be the thing you're remembering. It might not even be the thing you're wanting. It might not be. 
But this year, don't let the past blind you to what God is inviting you into now. And he is inviting you to something. God's purposes are not on pause. They're not on hold. They've not vacated the scene. Look for his presence and go where he's leading. But secondly, we're going to first remember what's ahead doesn't have to look what, like what's behind. But secondly, we don't have to let the small things keep us from doing anything. What was the big deal about this new temple, this new foundation that they saw is that it was pretty small compared to the old one. In fact, let me show you a picture of the old temple of uh, Solomon, the temple that they all remembered. It will be on your screen in just a moment, uh, the picture of the old temple of Solomon, um, I think. Uh, and so um, this is a temple that was overlaid with gold. Uh, on the inside, I mean, it, literally everything was overlaid in gold. You can read this description in your own Bible. I mean, it was a grand temple. I mean, it, it was built to marvelous specifications. And every, it had a, a, a reputation worldwide, the world at that time, worldwide reputation. People from other countries and other religions would even come just to see this marvelous temple. Can you imagine if you're a little child and you go there every day and you, sit, you have these memories of how things were and it was mom and dad who took you, and all of that's wrapped up into that. And the patterns and the practices are so familiar to you. You can recite the readings back and forth between the priest and the congregation. They're so etched in your mind. And here's a picture of the new temple that was, foundation was laid. You see the difference in size and in spectacle? you would see how you might see the foundation of this being laid and think, oh God, what is this? Lord, I came here. I gave my life for this. I came to be a part of, uh, of something. And Lord, it's, it's this. And they were weeping over it like we often do about what's lost in our past. But God was doing something here I mean, this is the same temple that Jesus would be brought to and be dedicated before the Lord. You remember Simeon there saying, I, I was promised I would not die until I saw Messiah come. This is that place. This is the temple where it says the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom when Jesus' crucifix crucifixion took effect when salvation had come, when the separation was no longer there and we could go before the throne room of God, it was this temple. In fact, in the, the, the Haggai passage, the Bible declares that the latter glory of this place will be greater than the former glory. What's going to happen here, what's going to happen here will be greater than what happened even at the old one. It's going to be a greater glory. How is that so? The Lord Jesus was brought into this place. This is, a, this is the truth from God's word. Don't let the small things keep you from doing anything. The problem is God loves small things. Don't you know that? God loves small things. There is power in the arm of God as he wields small things. You remember King David, little David, before he was a king, the runt of the litter. With what? With a little rock. 
slaying a giant named Goliath. God does great things with small things. You remember Elijah the prophet with 450 prophets of Baal and evil Queen Jezebel surrounding her, and there he stood alone and small. God does great things. You remember Elijah went to the widow's house, and she had only a small amount of oil left for one final meal before their death. God took that smallness, and what did he do? He provided greatness. God loves small things. If you're small today, or if you're confronted in your life, that it just seems like small things surround me. A small income, a small household, a, a, a small spirit. Lord, I'm just surrounded by small things. Then you're in luck, or you're rather blessed. The Lord delights in small things. He delights in our small service. He delights when we wipe down a table in the church kitchen. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's greatness in that? He delights, Trace and Amy, when y'all week by week go down to teach those fifth graders. I look in y'all's room sometimes, I don't know how you survive uh, with all those fifth graders. If you want to be insulted, if you want to have your humanity just degraded down, put yourself among fifth graders and listen to what they say about you, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but week by week, these two are down there with fifth graders surrounding them. Lo they're loving them. They're, they're teaching them. They're faithful. Don't despise the small things. Don't despise the preparing that lesson for snotty-nosed fifth graders. <laughs> Sorry, fifth graders. Uh, but don't despise it. In Zechariah, the parallel passage in Zechariah talks about be careful. Talking about this very time, this very foundation, this very temple. It says, be careful, you who have despised small things, for you will see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Those who despise the, found, the small pitiful foundation, you will see God carry it through. You will see the glory become real. Don't despise the small things. God's, God's going to do something with that fifth grade class. I mean, he's, gonna, he's, a, he's doing something. You will see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. You will see God bring to fruition your small efforts and your small obediences. Sound booth, the guy serving in the sound booth. Thank you, guys. Don't, we don't despise the small things, do we? You don't have to be on stage, but I do thank you for those who are on stage. For every moment on this stage singing to you, there are hours and hours just tweaking out the tenor parts and the alto parts and trying to get it together and figure it out. And I know many times in that choir room, it's an effort, it's a sacrifice. Don't despise the small things. Our kids... In our $13,450 missions offering, our kids came up with, with hearts swelled with pride and put their banks on the altar. It was nearly $1,500 from our children in nickels and dimes and quarters in phone calls to aunts and uncles and neighbors saying, could you help fill my bank up? Could you, I mean, in all that effort, we don't despise the small things, and I promise you, God doesn't either. God sees that time you laid a hand on someone's back and said a word of encouragement. 
you forgot about it, but God didn't, and neither did that person. And that note that you wrote to somebody, and that time you took an extra minute when you were ready to get home and you had things to do, but there was a co-worker there with sadness in his eyes, with sadness in her eyes, with grief, with a broken marriage that was happening and you didn't know about, and you stopped and you listened and you were present. God does not despise the small things. If you feel like your life is defined by small things, what can you do? You put it in the hands of God. You may see that foundation there and think, oh, this is nothing like what I thought. 2023 is going to be nothing like what I thought. I'm going to get laid off from work and the consumer price index is 8.7%. How am I? What is it going to look like? What will be? You put that in the hands of God. You put that small thing there and I promise you, there is no such thing as an insignificant act of obedience. There are no small acts of obedience. Some of you need to start giving, quite honestly. You need to give to God's church. We don't have to be ashamed about saying this. If you are in the family of God, you need to be a giver to God's church. You think, well, Matthew, all I can think, I, you know, I can only imagine myself giving $10 a week, you know. That seems pitiful. I know, I know some people give a lot more than that. You take your small thing, you take that foundation, and you lay it, and you put it before God and see what he does. See if he's not faithful. You do that. Some of you need to start serving. Some of you need to consider a mission trip this year. Some of you need to get serious about reading your Bible. Maybe for the first time. You think, Matthew, I hardly have any time. I've only got, I feel like I could maybe squeak out 10 minutes a day. Lay the foundation. Do the small thing. Give it to God. See what happens. Do it. Don't be afraid small things many times we we see a small thing and we just want to cry and back away from it go back to facebook go back to the distractions in our lives go back to whatever will just alleviate our mind for a moment the small things keep us from doing anything no that's the lesson of this text they wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid don't let that be you. But lastly, seek God's glory. Seek God's glory no matter where his presence leads. It is God's presence that matters. We've read this already from the Haggai passage in chapter 2. Seek God's glory wherever his presence leads. The foundation may have looked pitiful, but God's presence was there. God's glory was not going to be determined by circumstances. It was going to be determined by his presence. And if his presence is there, you can seek the glory of God in there. No matter what it looks like, no matter what the situation is. I'm told of a story about this church. When they were contemplating building this room that we're in right now, it was completed in 1957. You can drive around right from here and just probably walking distance and you can see other churches that are grander in appearance. You can go on their websites. I don't have my phone. You can go on their websites and you can look up and you can see programming-wise. They're very robust, very active. 
You can look on their Facebook and all the pictures are bright and all the wardrobes are perfect and the hair, the hair is great like mine, right? Uh, is it, is the hair is great. I mean, you can see that. You can go on the staff page and see 13, 14, 17, 20, 22. They have 22 staff members at that church. Man, I bet that's a great church. I hope it is a great church. But you can go around and you can compare uh, com- compared to what we're in here and you might say that foundation is a little bit less than other foundations that I see. But when this church was being planned, the story goes of a, a meeting, a gathering of God's family here at Poplar Springs, many of whom are saints across the street now. Good, godly people who are a part of the we that make up Poplar Springs Baptist Church. But they sat in the, the room that they had at the time and some plans were submitted and discussed and they were very simple and they were very plain and it was much smaller than what we see here. And as they were about to vote to do this, the man stood up, Lee Gilliland, I'm told, stood up in the midst of the people here and said a simple word, no. He said, let's build this to the glory of God. And with what they did have, not what they have, not what they have, but, but with what God's people here had, they determined with, we're going to go as deep as we can. We're going to build it to the glory of who? Of God. And, and, and they did what we see here, what we're enjoying today, what we're sitting in here worshiping God in. How many, many, 70 years later, right? Here we are praising God in this place that was built to the glory of God. And we can look at the foundation and we can compare it, but it's not the foundation that matters. It is the presence of God that matters. Have we done this? Have we done this for the glory of God? Are you building your life for the glory of God with whatever small thing has been entrusted to you? God, I don't have what they have next door. I don't have what they've got down the street. Are you building your life to the glory of God? Have you stood up in your heart and said, no, No more of this plainness. No more of this little sorrow. No no more of this weeping. I'm giving this to the glory of God. You put it in the hands of God and see what he makes of it. God loves small things. You seek his glory no matter where his presence leads. With what God has trusted to you, are you building your life to his glory? Are you doing it? Are you investing in his church for his glory are you interacting with God's world for the glory of God it is time to live in his presence wherever that is it don't have to match up to your vision and your ideal but wherever God's presence is wherever he's taken you it is time to live there and to seek his glory do you believe that today God's something for you in 2023 and the thing keeping you from it Maybe your own vision of how things ought to be. Break out of that and let God have his way. Verse 13, the last verse of this section of Scripture, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. The sound that was heard 
probably the overwhelming sound that was heard was the sound of God's glory, the sound of joy. The Bible says here that, you know, really it's heard far away and people couldn't really even distinguish the sound of the weeping from the other. The sound that's heard is going to be the glory of God. God is going to see to his glory. And among the two voices that are listed here, I want to ask you today, which voice is going to be yours? Two voices are heard. One is the, the, the voice of praise. The other is the voice of weeping. And I ask you today, which voice will be yours in this new year? God is going to advance his glory. His name will be heard. Will your voice be a part of that? That's up to you. Let me pray.